Why don't we, why don't we take a seat? And if you're, if you're kind of under the age of seven, or if you want to join me just by the, by the table at the front, then please do. Okay, so if we want to bring children who are under the age of seven, if you want to come and join me at the front, don't look inside yet. Right. Let's have a look. Right. We've got three things in here. Who wants to pick up one? Henry, which one? Not yet. Which one do you want to pick up? You want the bucket, okay. Who else wants to pick one up? Do you want to pick one up, Emily? Which one do you want? Oh, Are you out? Anyone with this one, Harry? Yep. Right, okay then. Who wants to go first? Me. Okay. Right. If it lands like that, Henry goes. If it lands like this. Oh, we'll have to do it again, won't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cheating. Remember, <laughs> we're in a church, we don't cheat. <laughs> oh, who's goes first? Yeah. Right, okay, you pick it up, what do you get? What is it? Tomato. A tomato. Can you just hold the tomato for me a minute? Hold it right up in the air so you can see. Who's going next? Me. Right, go on then, pick it up. What is it? Right, can you come over here? I've never even felt a real coconut. Have you not? There you go. It's, it's, in, it's incredible what happens when you come into church. Hold it right up. Right, what have you got there? Coconut! What is it? I think it's an onion. Plum. It's not an onion. It's not a plum. Anybody know what it is? Go on, what is it? Go on, can you guess? Not an apple. It's a peach, yeah, well done. Come and stand up, right. Right, okay, let's have a look at this a minute. Right, can you st- hold, hold the tomato up? Right in the air, so people can see. No, you've got to stand up, because there's lots of people here. Right, so, tomato. What have you got, Emily? Hold it up. And what have you got, Henry? Right. Well done. Right, question for you. Question. Right. Should I ask you the question or should I ask them the question? It's two on to one. Right, so we're going to be fair. Right, if the church were a fruit, would it be a tomato, would it be a peach, or would it be a coconut? Right, who thinks it would be a tomato? Put your hand up. Who thinks it would be a peach? Put your hand up. Put your hands down. Who thinks it would be a coconut? Put your hand up. Right, put your hands down. Up. Who didn't put their hand up because they're not sure? <laughs> Gift of honesty. There we go. Well, what we're going to be doing is you're going to be thinking a bit more about this a bit later in our service. And we're going to be thinking a bit more about that as, our, as part of our service. We're going to think... Would it be a peach? Would it be a coconut? 
or would it be a tomato? You don't like tomatoes. And why don't we stand up? We're going to change our service slightly and we're going to sing our next song. Brilliant. Can I keep that for now and you can have it later? It's now time for our our Bible reading, and while we have our Bible reading, and for the next part of our service, we've got children's activities that will be going on just over there. So if you've got a primary age school child with you, feel free for them to to go over there into the fellowship area, and we'll have our Bible readings. The first Bible reading is Psalm 42. If you want to follow it in the Pew Bible, it's on page 567. So, Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember. As I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore I will remember you, from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony, as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. And the second reading is from John's Gospel, chapter 15, on page 1,083. It's John 15, verses 1 to 11. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. 
while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Why don't we pray? So Lord, help us now as we we look at this passage, these two passages about what it means And how you want to speak into each one of our lives, now we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So is the church meant to be more like a tomato, more like a peach, or or more like a coconut? Here's why I think it should be more like a peach. And as we think about that, what I want us to do is this. I want you to ask everyone, or someone next to you, and answer this question. What is the point of the church? What is its purpose? And you can only answer it with with one word. You can talk to each other now. See what you get. Okay, let's see how you got on. Right, what's the point of the church? What's the purpose in one word? Pardon? You see, well done. Easy question. The purpose of the church above everything else is to love. Why is the purpose of the church to love? It's quite simple. Because... God is love. When I married Paul and Laura yesterday, the first words I said when I stood on those steps was, God is love. So if I think, what we're going to be doing over the next three Sundays as a church community is we're thinking about this whole idea of love. And God gave the church three commands. 
They were kind of non-essentials. It didn't matter whether you were in this church, whether you were in a church in Africa, whether you were in a church in Asia or America or Europe. It didn't matter if you were a church that kind of like was in an ancient building like 10 centuries old like this one or that just met in a tin hut or they didn't have a, a building at all. God gave three commands. It was this. To love God, and he described it as this, Jesus described it as this, to love God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. What that means is love God with all that you have. And then he gave another command. He said, love one another, to love your neighbor as yourself. And the third command he gave was to love people who don't know Jesus. They were the three commands that God gave to every church. So when I think about us as a church and how we have to be more loving, we have to address each of those three kind of non-essential, each of those three essentials. No discussion about it, they're just there. And so when I think about this week, as we're thinking this week about what does it mean to love God with all of our everything... I want to think, well, what is God's love like? You know, when I, when I think, and this is why the peach helps me. Because if someone said to me, okay, Ian, you've got, tell me what God's love is about in three words. Then I would use these words. Here's the first word that I would use. I'd use the word grace. You see, some people, we think of grace, some people just say, oh, grace is just what you say sometimes before a meal. But grace is much bigger than that. You know, in the Bible, when it talks about grace, it's something that's totally overwhelming. You know, you can't really define it. If I had to define it, it would be like this. There's nothing that I can do, nothing that you can do to make God love you anymore, and nothing that I can do or nothing that you can do to make God love you any less. Because his love is unconditional. And so when I think of grace, I think of the peach because a peach has a soft outside, doesn't it? It's nice and ripe. And a church should be full of grace. What did Jesus keep saying? He said, come as you are. Come as you are. But then when I think of God's love in the Bible as well and how it's described, it's also described as this word. truth. You see, because when I think about a peach, what I know is that there's something solid in the middle. You see, we live in a, in a world that doesn't like to talk about truth. We like to talk about post-truth, but, and we like to talk about, well, you can believe whatever you want, as long as you're sincere about it. Even if it doesn't make sense to anybody else, that's fine. But you see, there's a reason why I can't believe in that. Because Jesus didn't believe in it. You see, Jesus, when it talked about Jesus coming, they said about this about him. They said he was full of grace and full of truth. It's why I can't believe all religions lead to God. Just can't believe it. Because if you think about it, that means no religions lead to God. And so there's a solid core in this peach Jesus said 78 times, I tell you the truth. And then the third thing when I think about the peach is this. You know, if we eat a peach, you know, you know this, don't you? It's soft on the outside. It's got this solid color. But you get messy eating it, don't you? 
You know, it kind of just sort of like the liquid comes out. It's kind of like if I'm just touching it now, the liquid's just coming out on my, on my hands. It gets messy when you eat it. And that, that to me, when I think about that, it reminds me of why Jesus came. Because when it comes down to it, the story of Christianity is the story of how God came and, if you like, pitched his tent with each one of us. People only knew Jesus, Jesus was for them because he was with them. And he spent loads of time with them. And he got messy. He got messy amongst them. And, of course, he really did get messy when he died on a cross for each one of us. Jesus says, come as you are, but the truth of that is do not stay as you have been. He will say, let me transform me, you. Come along and meet and journey with me and get messy like this, eating this peach in your life. Because here's the thing I know. It's this. You would not have to come and live with me very long to know that my life is messy. It really is. Just because of the things I say sometimes and the things I do at times. Just like I would not have to come and live with you very long to find out exactly the same. And so that's why the peach helps me. So if I as a church and we as a church think, right, if we've got to love God more and if we've got to be, if you like, more peachy, if you like, full of grace, full of truth, full of mess, basically, of letting your mess be dealt with by Jesus, then how do we do that? And the way we do that, I think, if you want to learn how to love God more, is through prayer. And so we're going to watch a, a clip now that talks a bit about what prayer is. Have you ever wondered why so many people pray? Well, Albert Einstein said that there's really only two ways to live, as if nothing's a miracle or as if everything's a miracle. Either life's a fluke and we're just a bunch of highly evolved animals on a big rock lost in space, or there's a creator behind creation, a, a God behind goodness. And if so, then connecting with him in prayer is pretty much the most mind-blowing thing you can do. Archaeologists keep digging stuff up that shows we've always prayed. People of many faiths pray daily. Even atheists submit to praying sometimes. Real prayer is a two-way conversation with the living God who loves and listens to the things we say. Jesus said, ask anything in my name and it'll be done. We have a chance to ask for peace, healing, help or whatever we need. Life matters, you matter, your choices, thoughts, prayers and actions echo in eternity. But... In case you hadn't noticed, God is pretty much invisible and not always easy to hear. There are distractions, disappointments, and questions that we all share. That's why 24-7 prayer does stuff to help thousands of people in hundreds of places connect with God in new ways. People are learning to pray by just praying. Why don't you take on the challenge of a 24-7 prayer room? Just Gather your friends, find a place, pick a week, 
Get creative in the space and fill every hour of the week with a chain of prayer. Prayer vigils like these have been changing lives for 2,000 years. And today, millions are discovering that God's real. Life's a miracle. And the most powerful thing you can ever do is to pray. Why don't we look at this, this picture for a moment? Because for many of us, I think we missed the point of, of prayer completely. Here's the picture as it, as it comes up on the screen. You see, I think a lot of people view prayer like this. That they put a coin in some slot machine, they press a button or they pull a lever and they hope for some sort of return. And it kind of like is cold and distant. It's kind of impersonal. There's kind of no expectation there that you might get something. And it misses the point of of prayer completely. And I want you to contrast that picture with, with this here. This is my favorite definition of prayer in the Bible. We heard it earlier. It's from Psalm 42 and verse 8. It says this. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. That is my favorite definition of prayer in the whole of the Bible. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. This is what, to me, prayer is all about. Because it speaks of this. It speaks of desire. You know, there's, an, there's a longing there. There's an aching there to want to get to know God better. He directs his love at night. His song is with me as if it's welling up from within your soul. It not only speaks of desire, it also speaks of this. It speaks of discipline. Because desire gets you so far. But discipline will take you right there. Look at it. Look at the words that are used by day. At night, it's something that is 24-7 as if his whole life is, is a prayer. And it speaks as well of, of dialogue, doesn't it? His love is with me. A prayer to my. It's a two-way conversation. And the other thing it speaks about is this. It speaks of distinctiveness. You know, when we think about it, you can't copy someone else's prayer life. You really cannot. It's like you can't love someone like someone else loves someone. Because each of us is unique and God has given each of us, if you like, that opportunity to love him. So what I want you to do is this. You were given a bookmark when you came in. I gave you this bookmark because of of this, basically. I've never met a person yet who has ever said to me, I've got prayer sussed. I've got a perfect prayer life. I've never met that person, and anyone who ever admits that is probably a liar, basically. You could talk, if you like, to the leader of the Church of England, the Archbishop of Canterbury. He will openly admit that his prayer life is not that good. It needs extra work. And so what we're going to think about as a church community over the summer is we're going to think about this thing of how can we be 
better at prayer. How can we do this? And so I've given you this just bookmark that you can take away that anyone can do, basically. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian or not. You could even do this if you're not a Christian. Pray this a few times and you'll suddenly find your life will transform. And so it's just based around the letters of the word prayer. So P stands for praise. So one way that you can praise God is you can read a psalm. If you don't know what a psalm is, a psalm is a, a song of praise. If you don't know what that is, basically, then it's a book in the Bible. Or what you can also do is you could maybe sort of like just go onto YouTube or you could go onto Spotify and you could just make up a Christian playlist of songs to lead you in, in praise. If you don't know what YouTube or Spotify is, just read the psalm instead. You know, it's just easier. Or the next one is, next one is repent. That's what the R stands for. You see, we need to repent because of this, basically. We're just sinful. All of us are. And anyone who isn't is delusional. Really is. And we, we, come, we come and say sorry to God. Not because he's meager in his forgiveness. But because by saying it, we actually change. And so I've given you a simple prayer there. That you could pray every day. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, pray that ten times every day. Your life will change. Because you'll suddenly see things in your life that, hey, you thought were all okay. And then you'll suddenly realize, actually, they're not. And you will become a more loving husband. You will become a more loving wife. You will become a more loving child. You will become a more loving parent as a result. Here's the A. The A stands for ask. Because God loves us to ask him about some of the deepest needs in, in our lives. He absolutely loves it. I mean, I've put down there what I think is the most hardest request to pray. Lord, give me a longing to pray to you. And then the final one is yield, because when it comes down to it, most people pray prayers selfishly. Most people's prayers come down to three words, and the biggest one is help. Help me, God. When actually really, God's fine to ask, wants you to ask to help, but really what he wants you to pray is this, that more and more people and more and more places in the world and more and more situations in the world would live more like Jesus. And that's what it means to pray your kingdom come, your will be done in its most simplest terms, that you in your life would live more like Jesus, that this world would be more like Jesus rather than anything else. You know, I also gave you an A5 sheet of paper. So if you lose the bookmark, it's on the A5 sheet of paper. And if you're, a, if, you're a, if you're here most weeks at this church, I want to encourage you to do one thing over the, over the summer. I've put down there, and Janine is here from the Christian Bookshop, and she's brought the books with her, some of them. Actually read a book on prayer over the summer. You know, I've put what I think are the six best books on prayer out there. They're, the six be they're not necessarily the six best books. They're the six best books that I think because I've read them. And I only recommend something that, that I read. The second thing is, is that whether you're a Christian or not, I want to encourage each of you before you leave to have a look at this. You know, Archbishop William Temple said this, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't, they don't. 
And so I want to encourage each of you to have a look at this, this magazine on prayer. This only came out literally in the past 10 days. And when I was thinking, what can I possibly say this morning to maybe encourage people to pray? I got this email on Monday morning talking about this magazine. I managed to get a couple of copies of this magazine before Sunday, which if you know the Jersey postal system, you know that's pretty good, basically. And so I just think this is a God incidence. You know, if you are anywhere from 12 upwards, you will get something out of this magazine. So I want to le- I'm going to leave them on the table. And if you want to order one, there'll be a sheet just next to it. Just write your name on it and we'll make sure you get it from there. Because I think at the end of the day, what's the point of all this? The point of all this is this. When Jesus said, just before the night he was died, he said this. He said, I want you to grow to become more like me. The point of all this is this, so that in our lives when we pray, we would be praying the kind of prayers that Jesus would be praying if he were you. So you would be praying the kind of prayers that Jesus would. Because then when you do that, whatever you wish will be done for you.